0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: I have one of my favorite humans on today to tell you about an amazing product that we both love. Well, thank you, honey. This is Milkman Mark Hyman here telling you about the Almond Cow which I saw on those Instagram posts. And I thought, we've got to have one of these and see whether it is actually as good as it looks. And it is. It's actually even better because there are things that you can make out of it. Almond milk, oat milk. Cashew milk. uh, Coconut milk. Anything you want, you can make in this. And what's great is there are fewer preservatives less sugar, and then what you get left over at the end is this pulp that you can make into, can make cookies or muffins, so nothing goes to waste. And is there any time, so if you run out of milk, you don't have to run to the store. It is so amazing. We love it, love it, love it. So if you want to get your own, check out the link and use code LARA for extra savings. Approved by The Milkman. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer with joy and curiosity and with our opinions, take them or leave them, (laughs) Uh, but I'm joined by my brilliant accessorized and gorgeous (laughs) co-host, Kristen Williams. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for that intro. And hi, everybody.
2: Welcome to Q&A. Let's get started. We've got three great questions today.
1: Yes. Okay. This first one is from Uzmi. Low back tightness. Since I had a spasm slash disc herniation five years ago, how do I alleviate it? Funny enough, I did a private today with somebody with this exact same thing. Well, a little bit different. She had disc herniation surgery. Mm. So uh, the low back tightness is telling you something, and the herniation is the manifestation of that, right? So... If you want to alleviate it, first got to look at, like, why why is there a tightness? And I say that in quotes because Mm -hmm. the tightness might not... You know, a lot of times we say tightness. It is. It's neural tension. It's fascial tension. Tightness, again, does not mean it's strong. And so it probably means there's some kind of misalignment in your, uh, you know, your triple S, your spine, your posture. And often we see the thoracic spine is the largest segment of the spine and that includes the ribs and when you are sitting standing and there's any kind of movement of the ribs either forward of your center of mass or a little bit behind your center of mass it doesn't it impacts the thoracic spine but it often impacts what's above and below even more and who knows what comes first maybe the neck went forward and then the ribs followed or maybe the pelvis tilted and the ribs followed but it's all connected, and we are – this is where we're like a little potato head. Like we move one part and another part is going to – it's not going to pop off, but it's going to also shift. So you have to look at, I mean, all the way from the way you're standing to the where, where your head is in space. And this is always what drives me crazy when the the research, quote-unquote, shows that posture doesn't um, – is, is not – there's not a st- statistically significant – relevance to pain or association with pain, but that's because there's so many variables that they can't isolate just posture. But posture is the biggest contributing factor with the sequelae of that, meaning all the fallout that happens when your posture isn't aligned. Because when your bones are not stacked in that most optimal way where their surface area is, you know, maximal, there's going to be more pull on the tissue on the one side and kind of less kind of it's it's the the tethering is more on one side which is probably your low back than on the anterior side and through the body. So the way to alleviate it my friend is find somebody who can really assess how you're moving. So it's not obviously just posture but postural is your starting point and so it it does kind of set the stage. It gives you a um, kind of initial reflex into what mo- what movement happens where and what muscles are firing in a sequential way. And that's called your habitual way. Your brain is always going to choose the most common path because that's what it knows. So if your most common path is when you lean over to get something off the floor, you really round your back That sets people up for some movement of the disc posterior laterally, which is kind of the most common disc herniation. But you could also be like pitching your pelvis and pinching some parts of the low back, and other parts are um, are getting like almost like a donut squish effect, where some parts are getting tight, and then the rest is pushed the other way. It's like as as a response. So it's less, it I guess it's less relevant. To focus on the disc and more about the why the disc happened because that's why you have this low back tightness. So you can work with somebody, and you need to work on like how you're sitting, standing. Are you getting support for your low back so it's not contributing to this chronic tightness? Meaning a lumbar pillow uh, or support when you're sitting at your desk or sitting on your commute. Um, how are you standing? Are you locking your knees back? That'll pitch your pelvis forward, which will really again tighten the back. And I see this. I know Kristen will have a lot to say too. All the time when I'm working with people and I just pick up their shirt so I can see the skin and it's just the way. So the other thing is take a picture of yourself. Just the way your skin is, it'll be, you'll see it kind of like puckering, it tightens or, or it can be really rope-like. And some people you'll see like a huge divot where their spine is like in the trough and these big paraspinal muscles, erector spinae, are just rigid. And that's telling you that there is a lot of f- mo- movement forward of the rib cage, and those low back muscles are kind of constantly on, um, put on demand, and they have an endurance component, but they're not meant to work solo. Right? We're meant to really stabilize from all sides of the spine. So you got to work on the front, um, the deep abdominal muscles. Work on your thoracic spine if it's rounded, and a lot of people don't have enough. Uh, strength in their posterior shoulders, shoulder girdle, scapula muscles that really help you hold yourself upright and help to hold the upper rib cage. So if that's collapsing, that's going to load the spine, the lower back as well. More to say, but I want to let my sister pop in here and talk.
2: Yeah, no, I think you nailed so much of it right there on the head. I mean, when we talk about that muscle tightness, especially after a a disc herniation, I mean, usually when people experience that disc herniation, it's pretty traumatic. It is a, I bend over and oh, and I can't get up. And especially if this happened years ago, when quite frankly, a lot of our methodology has changed years ago, we were told not to move. Um, And so our body that muscle spasm is the way, is a way for the body to kind of brace. And what happens a lot of times is we get to your point Laura this faulty wiring where it's a postural thing. Um yes, you're shifted forward. So the body is always on con- on on contraction. Or if you only have it on one side that excuse me, that disc herniation side, it's because it's still kind of bracing there and we need to teach the body to let that go and that it's okay. And that it's safe to let it go. Because unfortunately we get, a lot of times we'll develop a new normal where our body thinks, oh, I should be shifted. People don't even feel it. That's the most amazing thing. You see it all the time. Somebody has disc herniation. They are literally shifted away from that disc herniation. That's the body's way of protecting. But in the long run, that has ramification on posture in general and so i love your suggestion to really find somebody who can look at you through a, a really unbiased lens and take a look at how you're sitting how you're moving how you know where are you strong where are you weak where are the soft tissues tight i love how you talk about that you can literally look at someone and you can see skin folds will tell you a lot if there's a shift in the body negative space you know you'll have one arm that's just naturally kind of held away because it looks like it's being held away because the body shifted the ribs people forget about these ribs and when we think about it like you said lara this is the largest area of the spine it's got this big rib cage attached to it it is when you're shifted forward whether with an anterior tilt or like you said the hyperextended knees and the, and the pelvis is pushed forward you can imagine these erector spinae They're hanging on for dear life. I kind of picture them like, uh, like skiers on a ski rope, you know, you kind of lean back into that just so you don't, you know, wipe out. It's this kind of same thing that happens to to the, to those erector spinae and they just get constantly on tension. And so working to break that habit, working to restore, um, you know, good muscle firing and, and that is, um harder than we think you'd be Mm -hmm. surprised it really does take um a lot of manual cues a lot of hands-on work where you can feel your body i love how you said take a picture of yourself video yourself where you might see oh my goodness i didn't even realize that i was favoring that side or look at your hips are your hips off on strength are you are you really either under or over utilizing one side Um, so as we can create more balance in the body, your body will naturally, it will give a sigh of relief and Mm -hmm. it will, it would love to let go of that tension in your back. And that disc herniation is long gone. Now, I mean, there have, they have done MRIs where they literally, they don't know what happened to it. It's no longer there. So it can be reabsorbed by the body. Again, remember that an MRI and an X-ray, we talked about this last week, it's just a snapshot so it could be that you know your your posture changes people you know rehabilitate their posture they rehabilitate their their muscle tone and their strength and it no longer is to your point that jelly donut pushed pushed out so as we come back it's like oh my gosh where the disc herniation go well it's because we're not in that position to push it you know back all the time so a lot of this is you know we talk about you know, medicine as a science. And a lot of it is, but a lot of it isn't, it's an art. It's, it's a, it's an understanding of movement. And by say art, I think of dance, you know, of, of biomechanics. It's an understanding of movement. It's an understanding of balance. And if you give the body that it will heal itself many, Mm -hmm. many times. So that's what I would say, have somebody look at you. Get some better balance in your body. You're going to be, you're, you're. I mean, it's going to be like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And then you'll work on those things and your body will go, yes, and then everything will feel better.
1: You know, it just came to mind when you're talking is like, when you see those people who are balancing um, on stilts and walking, uh, I don't know what they're called again, but yeah, yeah, oh, you know what I mean? Walkers, I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. Think about their posture is really good. It has to be because they've taken their way up off the ground on a very small surface. And it's about balancing their center of mass. If they were rounded or arched or something, they would not be able to balance or move. And so we don't have that. We don't have to balance to that degree, but we should think about that. Like, how are we? stacking our bones aligning ourselves so that our center of mass is truly in the center it isn't put, put displaced forward or back and think about those stilt walkers because again they they couldn't be doing it if they were like offset you know off-kilter mm-hmm. and that would be a dramatic version but that's what our body is wanting is more of this balance around that you know where our center of mass is great question and On to another one that has a lot to do with what we're talking about here. Um, Natalie Shiovo asks, can you talk about having an ergonomic home? This Mm -hmm. is really interesting. We talk about ergonomics at work all the time. And so people do work from home, so we want to kind of capture all that. But do you have any um, right-off-the-cuff tips about that?
2: I have plenty of tips. I also have some interesting stories about it, too. Both Laura and I have very tall children. Our our, our sons are six four, six five, and it's you. I I forget until I see him how tall he is, and you just think the world's really not made for people that tall. No. And I live in Milwaukee, and we have the Milwaukee Bucks here, and a lot of the Bucks send their their young children to my husband's school where he works, and so I see these gargantuan men, you know, who are six ten, six eleven, seven feet, and I think. How do they live? Because you know their home is not ergonomic for them. Would you believe that they are actually, um, downtown Milwaukee, they they are creating, this is kind of funny, it's the 13th floor because you know like in a hotel you wouldn't want to ever want to stay on the 13th floor. Sometimes they skip it. Well for their away teams, they're renovating the 13th floor in this hotel to be an everything is taller. The ceilings are higher. It is built for basketball players. And I applaud that. I think it's hilarious. It's the 13th floor. But you know that those basketball players are going to be thrilled because there's nothing worse than having your home not fit you. So when we talk about ergonomics, let's think about what can we affect? There's been a lot of changes in toilet seat height if you ever have bought an old home the toilet seats are like on the floor so which of course we think of squatty potty that's better for going to the bathroom but for someone to get down and up easily that's a lot harder so you know we want to think about our seat height in our chair you know we we don't want the knees above the the hips we want them you know 90 degrees or even sometimes the, the hips a little bit above the knees we you know, we, we want to think about it when we're, Laura, you have some great videos on your Instagram in her kitchen of, you know, things to think about when you're, it's not just how your house is set up, but it's how you move. You know, what are you choosing to do when you wash dishes, for example? You know, how are you, stag- can you stagger your feet? Can you Can you be off the side so you can keep a more erect posture? So, you know, doing whatever you can to really Back to our last question, think about that stack. How can you stay better stacked? How can you be more optimally set up to utilize the strength of your legs versus those erector spinae, which are already your, your back muscles, which you're bending over, chopping vegetables? You know, you could be there for 20, 20, 30, 40 minutes sometimes if you're making a really intense meal. That is killer. So, you know what? take it to your table where you can sit in a good chair and do it um so i think part of ergonomics is is a setup it's getting your wrist neutral in your you know at your keyboard it's setting up like my screen right now is on two books to get it up so i'm not looking down at it um and and it's raised above because it is a laptop and i have a separate keyboard it's things like that where I know I spend a lot of time here, so I would never spend this amount of time on my laptop because I would be looking down at it on my lap. I want it upright. I want a nice, you know, set of my shoulders. But I think ergonomics also boil down to um, choices, you know, and really thinking about it. Ergonomics, it's snowing outside right now. We're not going to get an accumulation, but someday we will. Thinking about it when I'm shoveling snow, I thought about it when I was blowing leaves. You know, when you're doing something new for a prolonged period or doing anything for a prolonged period, you want to have that tension in your core, just a little bit of strength. You want to switch sides so you're not always doing something on the same side. So ergonomics is more than just setup. It's also, you know, movement pattern decisions. What else do you have to say about about
1: ergonomics? Today's podcast is sponsored by AminoCo, my favorite company for amino-based supplementation. While I use many of their products, today I'm highlighting the purity line. Purity is just like it sounds like. It's designed to accelerate the export of fat triglycerides out of the liver, which helps reduce overall liver fat levels and helps maintain normal levels of liver enzymes. The liver is vital to all metabolic processes in the body and is primarily responsible for removing toxins, processing nutrients from food, breaking down fats, and building proteins. I use purity as a bonus to help my liver function more optimally. Even though I'm living a pretty clean life, I feel better knowing that purity is helping me filter out the inevitable toxins that we all encounter. This drink helps me feel refreshed and motivated to keep my organs functioning their best. I mix it with a powder in water or in my favorite smoothie. You can find out more about Amino Co. in episode 569 when I interview the, one of the founders, Dr. Robert Wolf. You can also shop my favorite 100% science-based amino acid supplements and save 30%. Just enter code LIT at aminoco.com slash LIT. Again, aminoco, A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot slash LIT. No, I love what you said that it is it is like the setup is one part of it, but it's also that not staying in one position for the, for one, you know, setting yourself up that, if it is a little bit kind of less optimal that you are engaging, that that you're using this, these as little opportunities, and they've shown uh, that you know housework, so to speak, has its like it can be a form of you know movement exercise because of the way that you know if you're vacuuming or folding laundry and picking up, like it's so it's how you do it, um, and and some of, some of it you can set up. To benefit you, you know. So if I'm folding clothes, I either I personally love to get on the ground and fold clothes because sitting on the ground uh, is a great place to be, and I really highly suggest everybody gets on the ground more. But if that's not your jam, then set it up where you can fold clothes and it's not, you know, like you're rounding over to do it. So it might be that you're sitting on your bed and doing it, and or it might be that you pull up a chair and put it. I've seen my daughter do this, like put it on a table and and fold the clothes. If you're sitting for long periods of time, it's always again, good to get up. It's good to change your position. It's good to have lumbar support if you need it. And as Kristen said, I mean, one of the most important things for computers is making sure that your eyes are at the same level as the screen and that the screen isn't below that because you're you're we're so biased to to let our head, I mean, it's heavy, right? It's, it's so biased. everything's in front of us to let it hang down um to really keep it in position. So, like those paraspinals we were talking about in the first question, we have them all the way up into the back of um, our skull. The suboccipitals just are like eh, like little reins. Please don't be doing that all day. So putting them in, like sometimes even sitting against, if you're sitting and watching TV, like, okay, you can slouch or you can use that as an opportunity to maybe not slouch, but just get yourself up against the back of a, like we have a little a couch that backs up to a wall, and I'll just put my, I'll put my, um, cushion there just to give my neck a stretch. So I'm not working per se, but I'm just optimizing the things that I'm trying to do throughout the day. Um, so that was a great question, though. But it's just, yeah, I think it's all the performance of the daily stuff you do at home, um, in addition to the, how you set up your workstation is very important. All right, last question. This is from Stephanie. She is a yoga, a lit yoga teacher. And this is the um, million-dollar question we get all the time. Can you help me stand on my hands without a wall or fear? Da-da-da-da. She puts a little heart on there. Um, I know. We would be, like, just rocking it in, um, in so many ways, spiritually and financially, if we got paid for being able to just do that for people. And the answer is... I can ap- we can absolutely help you because we're going to help you believe that you can do it. And we're going to help you set up the motor mechanics to do it. And then the job for you is to practice it. I, I was talking about this with um, a neuroscientist and it's like, you have to do something so many, many times. I mean, they say 10,000 times, 8,000, whatever it is, And I think with handstands, there's such an eagerness. It's so fun. It's so wonderful. But we have to think of that as any other skill. You know, it's like learning a foreign language. I am never going to assume that I could just come in and have a conversational uh, ability uh, unless I am like logging in the hours and practicing and practicing and practicing. It's the same thing with a handstand. And that is not only getting the biomechanical, the, the neuromuscular patterning, but it's also... Getting the familiarity, because a lot of getting on the hands is scary because it's not familiar. It's like you've changed your vision, you're now looking at the ground, and probably your brain is very much wired. Like if you're looking at the ground, you're falling, and now you're on your hand, you're on your hands, not your feet. It's very different. But use that too as an advantage because when it's different, your brain is very heightened. So when you're doing it, visualize because when you're visualizing, you're setting up the um, mirroring in the brain motor cortex for this action to happen. You're also going to probably tone down the loud noise of the fear center of the brain, the amygdala, and, and just keep saying to yourself, I got this, I got this. Don't rush it because rushing it is trying to skip steps one through 20 and that will create actually more anxiety and give you in this like, you know, fear mode. For those who practice on um, with a wall, I am not a wall fan, but I absolutely understand. I would rather you practice with a wall than not try it and also like make yourself more fearful. The caveat is you aren't learning the motor patterns that you need to be out in the center without the wall. It's a different motor pattern. You know the wall's there. You're going to kind of overreach it most of the time. So if you practice with a wall nearby, um, don't think of touching – like, think of – the. I always say, think of the wall as being electric, like an electric wire. You do not want to touch it. It is not something that's conducive. And that way, you can at least start to develop the feeling of what it's like to be more upright and aligned without going to the wall and then trying to come off the wall. Because if you have that in your motor pattern, it is very challenging to do it in the middle of the room, because that's what you're going to do there, and it'll freak you out, and then you won't come back to it. Uh, There's a lot more to say to that, but more than anything, you've got to be patient. I taught myself how to handstand. I'd never done a handstand. I taught myself a 36, and it took me day in and day out. And I always say I did a roundabout way. And then I figured out if I actually worked on it biomechanically, figuring out where do my scapula are, really leaning into them and pushing off. So I teach a much more uh, straight line. But it took a while. It really did. And I, but I did it every day. Um, I did do it on carpet to start off with. So maybe energetically, biomechanically, that can be more challenging because it's harder on your wrist. But mentally, that might have been a little bit easier on my mind. Like, Oh, if I fall, I'm on carpet. So Mm -hmm. you could use that as well. Like find a surface grass carpet. It's not necessarily ideal, but for your brain, because that's the biggest problem right now is your brain. Most likely. Anything more? I'm sure you've got more. In my
2: opinion, fear is the hardest obstacle to overcome. It's not strength. It's not range of motion. It it's not, it's, it's literally fear. That is the hardest obstacle to overcome. So I agree with you about the wall. I do like the wall. I started on a wall, but I never kicked up to the wall. So when I teach people, I'm like, if your feet touch
1: the wall, that's a, that's like a, you know, right. Because that's the electric wire fence. It is. Yeah. It,
2: you will, you will never get a handstand if your feet touch the wall. Um, and I don't care if it's one foot, two foot, like you literally, I put it there and I sit there, I'll tell people, you know, put it there just for your brain yes. but not for your yeah. body for your comfort and so mm-hmm. um and and to your point you know i think that um you started talking about thinking of it in terms of biomechanics that's what i did too i i really started to get the idea that um it's my pelvis that matters it's where my pelvis is my pelvis has to get up because if and that's again where you have to stop thinking about the feet so if you're kicking into the wall you're thinking about where your feet are. So whenever I'm teaching someone, I won't say anything, go ahead and just try it. And I'm like, what were you thinking about? And they're like, nothing. And I'm like, okay, try it again and think about something. And yeah. they're always like, so, you know, what do you think about? Well, I thought about where my feet went. Okay. Well don't think about your feet. Have you ever thought about where your pelvis is? And it's like, no, I have no idea where my pelvis is. And so, you know, getting that connection to the pelvis helps, um, I absolutely Laura, I did it on grass. I did it on turf. I did it on carpet because there is hardwood floor, super scary, hardwood mm-hmm. floor in the middle of the room, super scary. So, um, but there's something about, I don't know. I just something about, I felt like it wasn't going to hurt as bad.
1: Right, it's a softer landing. Kind of,
2: yeah. It's a softer landing. And you can kind of grab a little bit. Like there's a, there's a, uh, you know, that you don't, you don't initially get on the on the um, floor and then don't forget about you know your your feet are very mobile like if you stand on one leg watch how much your feet are moving the same thing has to be readiness in the hands people will try to do this handstand with like a flat super flat hand and it's like you know the the fingers need to they're kind of your breaks so you can start to learn to use your fingers like extensions of of your palms to help break you. Um, and that was a big game changer for me. Like, oh, I can literally stop my forward progression by pushing into my fingertips if I'm going too far. I can increase my forward pro- um, projection by pulling my femur into my pelvis to get my butt a little further if I'm not going far enough. But in, to your point again, this was hundreds of thousands of tries. And I t- I too did it every single day I tried to have fun with it. Um, I have laughed. Like if I could just create something that hung from the ceiling that gave people some safety, I'd be a billionaire because
1: yeah. everybody, because it's the fear. The fear mm-hmm. is the thing. The fear is so hard to get over. Um, and what's funny is everyone says it in this like quiet voice as if they're the only one. Like I, I got a handstand. I just can't do it because of fear. And I'm like, you and everyone else. So, first of all, everyone listening, if you are not, if you didn't have that fear, you're unusual. Like, it's yeah. just unusual, right? And so, if you have it, just know it's totally normal. It's very, everybody experiences it. And uh, I love what you said about using your hands. What I find, what I love about handstand is it gets you to really know yourself. And when we yeah. talked about like that whole idea of center of mass, like when you're standing or you're doing ergonomics, this whole, wonderful podcast is wrapping around all this, but it's really, when you talk about that pelvis, your center of mass getting over and stacked on top of your rib cage and your shoulders, when you hit that sweet spot, people freak out because oh, they it's do. so, they go, oh! they're like, oh my God, this is, cause it's so- It's so easy. It's so, yeah, it becomes, it's so hard until you hit that sweet spot and then it's, you're like a feather and then that it, that lightness makes you feel like you're falling and it's like, celebrate it, celebrate it. Keep your legs- Uh, staggered. I like that. That'll help you, Stephanie, just keeping one leg back and be really like, to me, a handstand, if you can get your pelvis over your shoulders, and I don't really care what the legs are doing to help you do that. That is key. And you could be like that for a while. I've seen people who stay like that for years. They love that, that kind of L shape or that kind of teeter totter or whatever, because it's just giving you the, the mapping of where getting the pelvis over the shoulders. And I love what you said, like think about bringing your thigh and in, up into the pelvis, like you're suctioning up because that is going to have way bigger impact on getting the pelvis over. And for people who have a lot of restrictions, it will take time. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. If you have, and I know you can speak to that from your hamstring stuff, like that you've talked about is like, it's easier when you're freer um, in the back line, but posterior chain. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. Like sometimes, I think no. having a little bit of restriction is better because you kind of have to really be honest in the in your um, alignment.
2: No, you have to. Like you have to plan it. I just my the uh, class I taught um, on Tuesday was like ready for takeoff. It's 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 on the lit daily. And it talks about my motor plan for getting on my hands. And it is, it's literally like, I, I call my, your quads are your jet engines, you know, like that yep. I'm pushing, I'm not kicking mm-hmm. now. My glutes are on and thing, my core is on, but like I, I launch, you got to push down and you know, get up. Yeah. Push down to get up. And then you got to dive. So it's very, I was like talking about top gun, you name it. I was all this uh, idea of like, really there's an aerodynamic to it. And I will say, learn to fall out too. So. If you don't know how to do a cartwheel, like even just starting with a, and it doesn't have to be a pretty cartwheel, but that comfort of, cause the last thing you ever want to happen is to go up and then go over and flip over spot. like a that, wheel. That is yeah. traumatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And learning to lift up a hand and cartwheel out is big. And that's big to be able to do that in the grass.
1: Cause I mean, I, I, I've cartwheeled out of a hundred thousand handstands. hundred thousand. And the thing is too, is it's good for your body. We have these reflexes, protective reflexes. Like if you fell down the stairs, you don't just like put your arms out and fall on your chest. You have a reflex to put your hand up. You need that same reflex. It's just different because you're not used to it being on your hands, but you will develop it. And I can tell you like, I will never fall in a non in a weird way. Like I will always catch myself. It's just, it's so, it, it, you need those. So it's like a safety thing, but you need to practice it until it is more um, hardwired. But speaking of, if we have so many classes on the Lit Daily. We have handstand workshops. We've got this one that you're talking about, ready for takeoff. We have a yeah. uh, five day, you know, we have a lot, every class, even if you never choose to go on a handstand is preparing you for that. So yep. check out our classes on Lit Daily. You know we have a two-week free trial. If you haven't taken that option, go get it. Go to lityoga.com and just check on, you know, try the free trial. Um, every, every class, from foundational to posture series to beginner series to building blocks to postnatal, everything is preparing you because it's organizing your body so that you can move it through space, whether it's on your feet, two feet hands, forearms, whatever it is. So check it out. Oh, ah, right. these were great questions. Thank you yes. all so much. You can write us um, on Instagram at lara.hyman or kbwilliams99. Just send us a direct message. We screenshot it and put it in a little folder for our Q&As here. Or you can yeah. write us. Can
2: email. Yep, You can email us if you aren't an Instagrammer. You can email at support at lityoga, yoga dot yogacom And those get forwarded to us as well. I star them in my inbox and then... Uh, you know, we will get to it. So, you know, please write us, send us your questions. We even may start asking you specific questions on certain topics. So, um, you know, we're looking to answer your questions about your body, about your life, about living, about movement, um, and just really share as much as we can from our many years of experience together.
1: Yay. And we love it. So thank you all, as always, Go check out Lit Daily, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Share with friends, share the love, and as always, we are calling for you. For you.